Hello and welcome to another episode of the Inkwell Gamers podcast. Today, we are going to talk about some announcements that took place last week with Organized Play. It was a big announcement that Ravensburger put out and I'm really excited to to talk about it. I feel like they didn't give us a ton of information, mm-hmm. but... I'm just glad to have some communication and you know it just gives us something to look forward to. So Dana, why don't we talk about the very first thing on the agenda? For sure. That is the Lorcana TCG Gateway. Tell me about that, Dana. Yeah, so from what we know, it's gonna be like a learn to play product that they're gonna be putting out where it's basically like two miniature decks and they'll give you extra cards to build as you go and get comfortable with the gameplay. And so I believe they're going to start you off with two 30-card decks. And then they're also telling us that they're giving us a game board and character standees, which I don't necessarily know what is going to come into play when it refers to those character standees. But my initial thought when I heard about all of this, it kind of reminds me of like the Pokemon Battle Academy because they do have a learn to play style to that as well as kind of like a like an official like board game board with kind of like directions or guidance on the board to help both players learn how to play. So I feel like I envision that being a thing for this, but again, I don't know where that character standy comes into play, but what do you think about what they're putting out for this? I think that this is just a wonderful product. Pretty much every TCG has a product like this where you get some kind of starter deck or maybe you get two starter decks in one thing and they're basically pretty low powered and they're just teaching you the mechanics of the game. Mm -hmm. So it's not super surprising that they're coming out with something like this. It was really only a matter of time before they did, so... I'm happy that it, it came out by set three. Now, why do you feel like they're doing something like this opposed to just keeping the singular starter decks? Because, I mean, for those starter decks, they have a little pamphlet inside and a pack of cards so you can kind of alter as you go, but also you're given directions on somewhat of the play style or how to play. So why do you feel like this would be different or better for them to do? So the the way they're setting it up is that you get two 30-card starter decks, right? And mm-hmm. then you get some extra cards that are probably a little more challenging rule-wise or a little more powerful so that as you get used to playing and learning the rules and all the different you know moves you can make, uh, you can upgrade your deck as you go and make it Uh, and make it a little more powerful. So I think that's really interesting. The starter decks kind of do that a little bit because they always give you a booster pack. So I'm not sure like how many cards they're going to give or what exactly those other cards are going to look like. I mean, we don't know the deck list yet either. So there's a lot of different things they can do with this. And I think that's just really exciting. Yeah, like... Are they going to just put sealed booster packs inside or, you know, with these kind of learn to play kits, are they going to give you cards in just 
the colors of the decks that come in that kit because I mean when look you're looking at the starter deck yeah it comes with a booster pack where you theoretically could put cards in that starter deck but chances are you're not going to get enough of the colors of your starter deck to really integrate any of the cards you're getting in that booster so it'll be really interesting to see how many cards of the colors for those decks they'll actually put in there for you to upgrade. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for a lot of people who are playing a TCG for the first time with Lorcana because I think the whole deck building process can be pretty intimidating for them. So either they're using that starter deck or they might just look at someone's list online and try to copy that but it's might be difficult for them to determine okay what cards are really good what cards aren't what should I add what should I not so I think that something like this that they're putting out will be really helpful to kind of get players in the mindset for actually building a deck yeah I wonder if they'll have like a little guide that says you know as you get more experience maybe add these cards in or whatever because mm -hmm. there are a lot of like board games that do that very same thing like yeah. we, we play oceans and there's like the beginner set right then as you play more they have some more challenging or interesting cards to make it more interesting and difficult yeah. so I think this is just kind of common practice I've not really seen TCGs do it this way, but it is a really interesting idea. Yeah, I think so for sure. Because I mean, as someone who didn't play a lot of TCGs prior to Lorcana, I mean, I, you and I have talked about how we've played Pokemon just kind of together, like kitchen table style, but let's be real, either we've been using pre-con decks together or you've been building my deck and saying, here you go, here's mm -hmm. what I built for you. So Lorcana was my first experience trying to actually learn how to look at a card and determine, is this good? What's its application? And our set reviews where you individually examine each card has helped me a lot in developing that type of mindset. And I feel like this is going to kind of be another avenue for people to practice that as well. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So aside from the TCG Gateway, they also announced some competitive play. So you want to kind of run us through what they've announced? So what we know so far is that they're going to be running something called the Disney Lorcana Challenge, which is just going to be a series of regional events that eventually lead to the World Championships in the holiday season this year. They're going to have the Euro and North America championships. And I'm guessing early next year, they'll probably have the world championships, which is invite only. So this is really interesting. I'm really ex like the competitive play is what really motivates me to want to continue playing and be good. So if there's a strong organized play structure mm -hmm. that just really excites me and they didn't give us like a ton of information but the fact that they are going to have like a world championships and multiple regional championships to qualify for that world championship is just something that I love right and I'm really curious like you said we don't really have that much information mm -hmm. about it so my mind's already starting to race about trying to predict what they might do regarding this. I I just hope that they have enough regional tournaments to give players a fair shot at qualifying for Worlds 
but I almost wonder too if like Pokemon does, if they'll give qualifiers like a stipend to travel to worlds and what that kind of looks like. Because I know Pokemon, you'd be eligible to receive like a 1K stipend and you can even qualify for maybe what they call like a travel award where it's even more money that they give you. So I'm curious if Lorcana will do that. I mean, I'm sure Disney will back Ravensburger up for that because... Disney's the the mouse has money. The mouse has money. They do <laughs> the, it big too. They do it big. So I hope that they do it right in giving players the opportunity to go to worlds if they might be coming from a situation where they wouldn't be able to fully fund that trip themselves. So I'm curious how they'll also do qualifications for worlds. Like, do you think they'll do from my understanding, I think Pokemon does like a point system. Um, and they call it like championship points. And if you earn a certain amount, then you qualify. So I'm curious, do you feel like they would do something like that? Where, you know, if you place second or third at a couple of different regionals, then you get X amount of points and still can qualify. Or do you think they're going to do it to where it's first place winner from each regional event will qualify? <clears throat> How do you think they're going to do that? So I think they'll have some combination of that like i think if you win a regional i would imagine that those events should be big enough to where that just gives you an automatic invite right but also i think magic did this for a long time pokemon does this where if you just like top eight uh one of these big tournaments or top 16 depending on the game right uh they'll give you some number of points and then the points just accumulate over the course of the year I'm guessing the winner of the North American Championships or maybe even like the top eight of that tournament would also qualify for Worlds. Mm -hmm. My only concern is, is that I think like you, I don't know if you can necessarily have like one of these regional events every weekend just because I think that might be a lot for them to do right off the bat, Mm -hmm. but... I just hope that they are reasonably spread out around the country. I hope our area gets some because when like Magic was doing a bunch of Grand Prix, like there just weren't any Grand Prix in the state hardly ever. So uh, you would have to travel a state or two over just to get to one of those tournaments. So I just hope that they're condensed enough across all regions so that if you really want to attend one of these tournaments or multiple of these tournaments, you Mm -hmm. have the opportunity to. Yeah, because you don't want to be faced in a situation where someone might only be able to maybe like afford a trip to one of the regionals and then let's just say that they place and they spent so much money traveling because it might have been three states away or something that they can't really make the trip for something that they qualify for. So you definitely want to make it close enough to where people aren't spending an arm and a leg just for the regionals. Yeah, but like I said, I don't know how many they can actually have. So it's, I mean, where we live, we're probably not going to get like that many around us just because we don't live in that populated of an area. But yeah, so I'm not, I'm not totally sure what their plan is for that, but I'm, I'm just excited to see it through. Yeah. And I'm really excited because I feel like we're going to see a huge shift in the types of tournaments that are popping up. And so kind of as a segue into that, what are you hoping for as far as what we're going to see with competitive play now? Yeah, besides just like the big regional tournaments, which I 
really hope they could structure kind of like what Magic used to do, where you had like a pro player system. They call it the Pro Tour. So if people want to dedicate a lot of time to this, there's actually a, a good compensation for them. Mm -hmm. uh, besides that, I really want like smaller tournament series. Like we've been to different tournaments mm -hmm. that are relatively local and they haven't always been the best or provide the best experience. Right. Right. But I feel like if one of the bigger stores around us can just start like a tournament series once we get the like official rules and competitive play uh, stuff going on that there's a there's a better outlet for stores to do something like that with like different prize support if you have someone that has a certain amount of points towards the end of the towards the end of the quarter or whatever it is yeah it, what, like a season or yeah like a season yeah i just I just really want an outlet locally for competitive and then big stage competitive. Like, I want nothing more than to see people playing Florcana at the Pro Tour on Twitch and either I'm there because I qualified and if I didn't, that's okay because I'm just going to be sitting on the couch right next to you watching some amazing games. Yeah. And, like, I, I wanted to reach that stage and I think the only way that you can really build it up is if you also have some smaller tournament structure as well that people can get excited about and mm -hmm. start to familiarize themselves with you know the the good players in the country so yeah. when they actually do go to the regional tournaments like oh yeah i really want so and so to win because uh he was playing my favorite deck at this tournament or whatever it is. I I have a lot of lot of hope for what's to come. Yeah, I think we're going to definitely see a more consistent and guaranteed number of participation in these tournaments too, opposed to just like randomly sponsored tournaments by smaller game stores. I know that some of the larger tournaments that have occurred so far that like the ones that have been sponsored by SCG those have been ran really well. And I think that by having official competitive play, we'll be able to have tournaments that are more structured and more organized and run more smoothly, similar to the ones that SCG runs, but more widespread and across the country. Yeah, and SCG is a perfect example because they have SCG cons every couple weeks or whatever it is mm -hmm. and they run tournaments but they can't be the only ones what else are you excited for competitive play wise so i definitely think we're going to see better prizes that make it worth it but you touched on something that i want to circle back to you talked about the exposure of those tournaments on twitch and that's something that i am hoping that we're going to be able to see because for other tournaments that have happened so far, they have streamed them on Twitch and some have commentary and some don't, but I really hope we get to the point where it's going to be like how Pokemon regionals and worlds do their streams on Twitch in that you have commentary and analysis, but you might also have kind of like a review or breakdown looking at individual players decks and how the bracket is going and then they also have post game interviews with the winners that's not things that we're necessarily seeing with every single stream that has occurred 
thus far for tournaments in Lorcana. So I hope that we can get to a point where that's kind of like the the template or the standard for what we'd see for those tournaments every time. Because I think it's fun. Like, I mean, you and I sit down and we watch the Pokemon ones all the time. And that's something that I've really enjoyed is even them talking about people's individual Pokemon and how that differs from maybe another competitor's um, Pokemon. And so it's nice to have people kind of analyze and break down because it, it adds, it just adds more quality to the overall stream. Yeah. And not only that, but there are a lot of reasons psychologically why this is really important because so many people, when they watch the stream, they just, they're like, you know, I want that deck tech to be mine, you Mm -hmm. know? I can't wait to play on stream one day. Or they're like idolizing some of the great players and I just want to play just like so-and-so such player because that's the person that they've been watching. So I think it's really important to be able to build these whoever the future pros will be up. I think it's really important to do this to get people excited about playing and like besides the money, I think people just also kind of want to be able to say, yeah, I was on, I was on stream that one time. Did you see my deck tech? Mm -hmm. Like that's really cool for a lot of people. That's something that I definitely want. So I think being able to create storylines and star power and really giving the visibility to players is really important, especially for the people at home that are really wanting to engage with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a lot to get excited about and look forward to. I'm just hoping that, like we talked about, they have enough tournaments that can feed into regionals and then worlds that really gets everybody excited and involved in wanting to do competitive play because maybe they're a little intimidated to go to just a tournament but if they start off to where you know it might be league at their their game store but then their game store becomes an official spot for the like local tournaments then they might say okay well I'll just try it and then you know, they can kind of ease into it if they're a little intimidated by the whole competitive scene. So I think it's a great avenue for new players too. I agree. Yeah. Plus the prizes are going to be pretty sweet for some of these like smaller tournaments. Yeah, like the set championship events that they're going to have yeah, for yeah. specific, I guess, qualified game stores. Yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping RLGS gets access to these because these prizes are just so dope. I know. I mean, it's an alt art stitch. Come on. It is a <laughs> rock star stitch that is just bomb. And the playmat is amazing. With big old champion letters on it too. Yeah. Hell I mean, yeah. pe- when people see that, they're already going to know it's the competitive play map, but <laughs> yeah. as if it isn't obvious enough, you know, it's also going to have champion. Champion, <laughs> yeah. Just but rubbing people's the card faces. too, I mean, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, the card's awesome. I would love to get a play set of those. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, yes, it's like an exclusive thing, but the fact that it's going to players who are winning in competitive matches, I think it's going to kind of be like valued more than someone who's just buying Lorcana exclusive things like the D100 box or whatever and then just trying to like sell it for a profit um, just because it's exclusive and they might not even have interest in the game or whatever but 
for winners of competitive events who are getting something exclusive like this, I feel like chances are they're probably going to hold on to it and actually kind of like cherish it because I mean, they're putting a lot of time and effort into playing the game and they've earned it. So I feel like for something being an exclusive product, it's going to someone who's like deserves it, you know? Yeah. If you're going to do exclusive product, I like putting it into the player's hands first, right? Mm -hmm. You have to play in this tournament. You have to win the tournament. So we already know that you're actually a player, right? Yeah, and you care about the game. Yeah, you're not just like a scalper, someone who's trying to flip it for profit. So yeah, I, I definitely like that strategy. Of, of course, that person could just sell it to whoever, but I definitely think it's important for these super exclusive cards and play mats. Just give them to the players before you give them to anyone else. Yeah, don't make it to where people can just buy exclusive things from the store. Like, make them earn it through competitive events like this. So, it's, yeah, pretty exciting. Pretty, pretty sweet. <clears throat> yeah, so Flesh and Blood, that is a game that does this extremely well. I know, like, once you go to, like, a big pro tour or whatever, they give everyone at that pro tour, like, some really sweet promo. It's, like, just a reward for playing at the highest level. Mm -hmm. And they even do more once you get into the top eight. So, rewarding the players that are playing your game, that's... It's a great incentivization. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, as we kind of migrate into more of a competitive scene, do you feel like we're going to start to see some circulation of cards, as in, like, those being banned? I think it'll happen at some point. I don't think they're going to be very quick yeah. to to slam the ban hammer, as, yeah. as we like to call it. <laughs> they probably won't initiate that within this year. No, they'll probably need a lot of results initially just to see. I could see maybe... If, like, one deck's just crushing every tournament, then you're like, okay, get rid of the best card in that deck. But I just don't necessarily see that happening. That being said, if there is one card that I think could be banned, and I just would, I'd be really happy about it, it would be A Whole New World. Yeah, tell me why. So A Whole New World is what we call a wheel. So you just discard your hand, draw seven cards. Those are wheel effects and magic. A lot of Pokemon players would call that a wheel as well because it's kind of poured over from magic. Mm -hmm. So being able to just discard your hand and draw seven new cards is absurdly powerful because even though you're making both players doing it, you're doing it under the pretense that you're able to use those cards more quickly and more effectively than your opponent. For instance, you're playing some kind of aggro deck and, oh, look, you got rid of all your hand, now you play this card, you refill your hand, maybe your opponent's only played three cards, and you've played seven or so. Mm -hmm. So you're able to break that parity. Or if you take my items deck, for example, that is kind of what enables that deck, because I'm spending so much time putting things into my ink that... I need a way to refill cards so I actually have action. That way I have, I have stuff to do. Mm -hmm. And A Whole New World is perfect for that because I'm accelerating so fast. I'm getting to 10 ink, 15 ink, that I need a, a big burst of cards like that. And the only card that can really do that is A Whole New World. I don't think my items deck is the best thing or anything like that, but it does something extremely powerful that 
other decks just can't do and if you're trying to kind of play on the same axis as that deck you just can't really keep up mm-hmm. so it's an extremely powerful card and the fact that you can kind of consistently do it on turn three or four because you have all these really strong shift characters and amber and steel which is you know the steel song decks one of the biggest players of this card mm-hmm. means you can just flood the board very quickly refill and if you're on the play your opponents play like three cards they've played two ink and one character and it's just like well you've played five cards and you have as many cards in your hand as them they clearly can't keep up in that scenario so like a, a well-built deck with a whole new world can just do way more powerful things. I don't think they'll they'll ban it anytime soon, but I I really I really wish it wasn't a song at the very least. Yeah, so a card that I think could potentially get banned eventually would be maybe Beast Tragic Hero. It has been pretty clear that it's probably the best card in set two, but in all honesty, I've been thinking about it and I I feel like it's even the best card between the two sets. And so it's just really powerful. I mean, it's inkable and whether it has damage on it or not, you're getting a positive effect from it. And especially like if it doesn't have damage, you're the ability to draw a card triggers every turn. I, I feel like there's just so much going for it. I could see it eventually getting banned. Now, whether it would or not, I don't know. Do you agree? Like, could you see that one? I do agree that it is definitely one of the top probably three cards in Lorcana currently. Mm-hmm. That being said, I don't know if it's really the kind of card they would ban just because it's like, even though it's really powerful, it's just kind of slow in how its ability plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only a five cost character and its stats are fine, but not great. And you draw your cards over the course of several turns. Mm-hmm. It's a really strong card. But I just don't know if it's the kind of card they'd ban unless Steel is clearly the best deck, Mm -hmm. which, eh, I mean, remains to be seen. Yeah. I also feel like we could potentially see cards that, I mean, if you have listened to any of our set reviews, we talk about our grading system and S is the best of that color. But I feel like we could also see potential bans of cards that people don't consider to necessarily be S grade. But maybe as more cards come out, there are synergies where it works with certain cards that maybe the developers didn't think of right away. I feel like this sometimes happens in Magic where they'll come out with a card and somebody finds... Happens all the time in Magic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somebody somebody figures out this infinite loop to where once they get that going, it's pretty much impossible to beat. So I feel like we could potentially see cards that kind of are unsuspected right now, but would later be really good depending on future cards that come out. So I don't know. I have a couple in mind that I could see causing issues in the future, but I don't know if I would be right in suspecting that. So I'm just going to throw them out and then you tell me yes or no, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So, well, actually, I feel like some other S cards. Let's do that first. That you feel like may may get banned. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm going to backtrack. Let's, let's, I have a couple more S cards. Rapunzel gifted with healing. Um, yes, no, yes, no. <laughs> it's kind of gone down a little bit so as far as play goes, so no, but it could 
Honestly, come back up. <laughs> it, it could come back up. It's extremely powerful. Rockstar Stitch. That is one that I could see. You know, they probably won't ban it because they're gonna they're creating a new promo for it. Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Then going into into like my synergies and stuff. Maybe Arthur Wizard's Apprentice and like a Madame Mim Fox type of thing, or or maybe not them together per se. Like obviously people use them together right now, but maybe either one of those two potentially. Um, I think both of those cards are really good, but there would have to be something ridiculous that you're bouncing with it mm -hmm. that is relatively cheap and if that's the case that's the card that would probably get banned all right because that one. i mean yeah i mean there's just multiple madam mims as well mm -hmm. right so the two cost madam mim the snake that one is also good so it's probably whatever it's bouncing that mm -hmm. would get banned okay um so throwing it to you are there any other cards that might not be S cards, but could have a potential synergy that's scary to you? Or do you feel like the only one that you can really, or that you really think is going to get banned is Whole New World? Yeah, right now I'm just kind of on the Whole New World bandwagon. Bandwagon? Bandwagon. <laughs> nice. Um, the only other card that I can see maybe is Beast Relentless. Mm. because that's a card that could just do some absolutely crazy things. Keep looping. Yeah, you can, I mean, you can sing a whole new world. We've already gone over a lot of the combos yeah. they can do in previous episodes. That's a card that I think is really powerful, and if the right pieces came to it, could maybe be a little bit oppressive because you're doing a lot of broken things, but that's just not the world we live in right now. It's kind of slow, kind of mopey by itself so yeah but that's that is one to watch out for mm -hmm. all right so moving in now to other band talk cards that we might like to get banned but probably won't be i have one already and we'll get to it so you and i have already talked about why you think it won't get banned but i feel like we should have this conversation for listeners i had thrown out be prepared and you're like nah and this is why so why don't you tell them why why you feel like my hopes are going to be crushed and that be prepared is not going away anytime soon uh people hate these kind of wrath of god effects cards that just clear the board of everything but you actually need these kinds of cards mm -hmm. if ruby didn't have be prepared they would have no way to fight against the go-wide decks like what Steel Song mm -hmm. was, right? Where they play a Stitch and they play like six characters in play and there's just nothing that Ruby could do about it. Or the various control decks, there's, there's just nothing they could do about it unless they were playing Steel, but Steel Ruby wasn't really a common combination so you never had these ruby decks with grab your swords and tinkerbells mm -hmm. it's just really important to make sure that your opponent has to play around something it's really not that hard of a card to play around you're like ah do i play this extra character this turn um then cast be prepared next turn i already have a lot of pressure no i'm just not gonna cast that character so it's not that hard to play around yes 
it's really powerful and it's the only thing that does exactly what it does but it's not at the same time doing anything that is necessarily unfair because mm-hmm. you're taking out yours too that's kind of the consequence of it right. all it's really expensive it's not inkable and you're also taking out your characters too you can't just go the first seven turns without playing any characters because your opponent's going to quest for 20 in that time yeah. if you if you're not pressuring them so like even though be prepared helps you catch back up on board and in cards it's not like you're six for wanting your opponent every single time because you're destroying all their characters and none of yours mm-hmm. like you're probably going to destroy some of yours and that diminishes the upside that goes along with it as well it's seven cost it's uninkable you know, I, I just can't see them banning it because it's the kind of card that you have to have to play against some of the, the go-wide decks. Yeah. I think until we had our conversation previously about this and you put it into perspective for me, I wasn't thinking of how we had a previous episode of who's the beatdown with the deck archetypes. I feel like ever since that episode, like, I start to th- see things differently. But, you know, when you have your aggro versus your control... And like, yeah, there's other things in the middle too, like mid-range. But for Be Prepared to exist, that's, I mean, Ruby is notoriously used in control decks. And without something like Be Prepared, you wouldn't really have control decks in Lorcana. And so that's a huge, that's like one of the main two archetypes. And it would pretty much just be everybody running aggro decks. And that's not really fun. Yeah. If Be Prepared didn't exist, I think you would just see a lot of aggressive steel decks or some mid-rangey steel decks, and you would probably start to get really annoyed because you would see Grab Your Swords and Tinkerbell every game because those are the only two ways to really control the wide board, Mm -hmm. right? So steel would probably become the most popular color because that's the only deck that can control the board. Yeah. And I don't think having one color do that is necessarily the best play experience either. Uh, People can hate on Be Prepared, but... It's essential. (laughs) It's essential. It's it's really not that bad, (laughs) honestly. It's, It's really not that bad. Uh, you, you, you could play around. Just don't play all your characters when you're already ahead on the board. Like, yeah. It, it'll be okay. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Do you have any cards that you would wish get banned but probably won't? <sighs> uh, a whole new world. Um, <laughs> kind of kidding. Kind of not. But really, I think one of the cards that I am excited for it to rotate when it happens is Stitch Rockstar, which could be a surprise, but I think it just has like this squeeze on the format where if you're going to play an Amber deck, then you're going to play all four just because it's extremely strong. And that's like the best thing that Amber can be doing is just shifting a Stitch on turn four and playing that game. And you just get kind of tired of the Stitch playing against the stitch draws mm-hmm. after a while where they just shift stitch on turn four they it's predictable yeah and then they just kind of flood the board but it doesn't really matter even if you have a grab your swords or be prepared because they drew so many cards anyway uh it's just that that one's really good so i'm <laughs> i won't be sad where that one goes 
The other one is actually one of my favorite cards, but I will not mind seeing it leave competitive play, and that's Maui. Mm-hmm. I think... I forgot about Maui. How yeah. could I forget? You talk about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Maui is exceptional, and it essentially just restricts a lot of what your opponents can play in the format. You just can't play a six or more cost character that doesn't have some kind of profound ability when it comes into play because Maui is just going to eat it up and that's a really hard exchange to make when you have like this five cost card that's just good against so many of the big characters in the format. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this though, like if you feel like it's so good that you'd like to see it banned even though you also don't at the same time because you play it, why not put it in the category we previously talked about where it could be banned? Like, why do you feel like it has to be in this category where you'd like for it to be, but it probably won't be? Um, I don't think it will be banned because it's not doing something. I think the only time they'll really ban something is if it seems like that card is doing something really unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's providing some kind of huge advantage for you one way or another. I think a card like A Whole New World is a really good example of that because you can do some really dumb things with that card. Mm -hmm. Um, But Maui isn't really an unfair card. It's not like it can win you the game necessarily because it can't quest. It's a good card, but not a soul-crushing, game-determining type of... (laughs) It's, It's like kind of oppressive in that it is just the best card at what it does removing one or two of your opponent's characters Mm -hmm. but it's not game warping in the sense that it's doing something unfair or broken and i feel like we're seeing that already in the sense that not every ruby deck is playing maui but i feel like almost every steel deck is playing a whole new world so yeah i mean whole new world's extremely powerful they're like not every but i mean if we're a lot of them yeah yeah. a lot of them yeah yeah can't make that overarching statement but Yeah, Maui is like the best at what it could be doing because it's just so efficient and it's inkable, but it's not unfair. So I, it's not like they'll ever ban it, but Mm -hmm. uh, when it rotates, I think that will allow a lot of other cards to see play. Mm -hmm. It's hard to play stuff like Maurice because he just gets eaten by Maui as soon as you quest with him, right? So, and there's a ton of examples of that. Yeah, I'm interested to see kind of like that only time will tell, I guess, you know? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. All right, I think that wraps up today's episode. Thank you all for joining us, and we will catch you next week. Have a wonderful day, guys.